Good lord. All right, you don't have time for a hangover right now. Not even remotely close, kids. Push through it. Get over it because we have got a jam-packed hour and a half for you here on Sports Frenzy 2.0, the weekend edition. He is a conquistador, Dave Hyde. He's the maestro, Kevin Crane. Taping here June the 28th, 2023. This will hit the first day of July, 2023. Boom! Get ready for the fireworks, baby. Celebrate your independence. And, of course, we all hope you, everybody out there in podcast land, have a great, safe, and happy 4th of July long weekend. Hopefully you get Monday off. <laughs> Make it a four-day weekend. Some of us do, some Kiss of us don't. Kiss my hairy white ass. <laughs> Speaking of hairy white asses, this is John Mellencamp week here on the Weekend Edition, as we not only have a review of John Mellencamp live at the end of his 2023 tour, but we also have a review of his brand new album, Orpheus Descending. So let's start off with John Mellencamp Live Saturday night. Because we are, if nothing but live music. That is right. And finally, we're going to start getting into more and more concerts once we get into July and August. You're not going to get a break, kids. We're not getting a break. You're not getting a break. Week in, week out, one, two, you're going to have concert we got overload. One, we're going to have three. We got one. We're going to have three concert reviews for you. So It's all good, baby. So, yes, John, John Mellencamp live at the Morris in South Bend, Indiana, back on June the 24th. Of course, Dave and I were there together. Why wouldn't we be? Our review of Mr. Mellencamp. Knee Cougar. Even though he doesn't like it, I did like the fact a lot of people that we bumped into that we talked to said we still call him Cougar. Well, I'm yeah. Like, why would you get rid it's of the coolest rock coolest name of all time ever, John Cougar? Come on, seriously. That established my identity. You had an identity with John Cougar. Whatever. All right. So, what we had heard going in, we heard a lot of negative stuff. We heard, now this was a two-night stand, Friday night, the 23rd, and then we went Saturday the 24th. We had heard a lot of rumblings and rumors about the Friday night show. The sound wasn't good. He didn't sound good. He was ornery. He was angry. He was prickly. And you know, somebody I talked to at work who saw him Friday night didn't have any issues with him. So it, I guess it depended where you sat or what your expectations were. Right. I think that's a, yeah, this was one of those concerts where because it was a two night stand and you could compare and contrast the two nights. I didn't have any problems with it at all. I thought the sound was fine. The sound was good. I thought he throughout. sounded good. Yeah. Our qualms going in was over the last couple months, what we've heard, what we saw on social media, 
how prickly he could be with the audience and different things. We went in with low expectations. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. I expected him to be angry, ornery, belligerent, playing a lot of newer stuff yep. and, and not wanting to play his hits. Not because, wanting to be the jukebox. Right. As he is so fond of saying that he's not. And he ended up being the exact opposite. Yeah, this this was a pleasant surprise. Yeah. He was engaging. He was funny. He His was stories were good. He he kept politics to a minimum, a bare minimum. Yeah. He this this was a great show. Right. And he played almost all of his greatest hits. So I don't know who was complaining about the Friday night show. I don't know what people in previous shows were complaining about. If he did something different, then maybe they had some kind of mm -hmm. basis. But from what we saw, this was a great, it, great, great show. It he was, sounded good. The band sounded tight. Of course, our homegirl, Lisa Germano, front yep. and center on a lot of songs. Oh, yeah. Her violin work, of course, was phenomenal. So... I, I not much to complain about. You could say that the opening thirty-minute movie montage thing. Oh was my god! A little oh, stupid. Why the 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 sellout moment to have TMC as his sponsor for the the tour, the thirty minutes. Oh, we're gonna show you a bunch of old movie clips. That pseudo tie in to his life. And you could barely Ish. hear it because even with the crowd noise, normal crowd noise, as people were moving into their seats, drowned out anything you could hear. Yeah, you couldn't even hear the, the dialogue from the movie. Right. And then because they were projecting it backwards onto the right. screen all you saw was the white projector on the screen that yeah. took away yep. from everything i agree completely on that yeah that it was, was abysmal that was distracting it was awful yep. now in terms of the concert dave and i have a disagreement about one song but now i do want to say let's tell the people in podcast land what your favorite songs were of the night of the night. Yes. Paper and Fire, of course. Enjoy Small Town. Uh, Rain on the Scarecrow, of course. Classic. Lonely Old Night. Crumbling Down was one I was hoping to get. Where he, he did a nice job of incorporating Gloria. Yeah, that was that whole mix was really kind of cool i mean yeah. what's that like 10 minutes oh yeah at least at least at least started off with playing crumbling down and then broke it down into gloria with a whole little monologue thing through the whole thing yep. back to the gloria refrain and then back to crumbling down that was kind of cool that was awesome 
It was awesome. Yeah, it, it, it was. And a lot of the night was we'll sing along. And normally I'm not a big fan, but in this case, I think it worked. It did. It didn't seem like he was being lazy. It just seemed like he was letting the crowd take him where they wanted to go. Yeah. Where we wanted to go. Yeah. Human Wheels was pretty damn cool. Yeah. Yeah. One of those songs that maybe out. you thought he you had a chance of hearing. Will he? Won't he? And he Now, did. some of the songs he didn't play that you wanted to now, hear. Now, the ones I would have liked to have heard... One from my youth, from the MTV days, one of the first ones that I really appreciated that I didn't get was the Authority song. Right. I would have liked to have heard that. Yeah. That would have been fun. And then probably one of the bigger ones, R-O-C-K in the USA. But then we were talking before going old taping, school going, going old school going way before way american back. Fool, going back to the first two albums yeah we would have liked to have heard probably ain't even done with the night and then i need a lover and i need a lover so yeah. four that would have kind of pulled it all together and he could have played longer he, he, he came in just have. under two hours you expected towards the end is that the zoo? You've got the zoo as your ringtone? No, I don't. I don't know why it suddenly started playing. <laughs> but that's all right. I got smoke on the water, so it's all good. <laughs> um, yeah. I kind of wanted like two and a half hours. I two and a half? At the end of the he tour, should have had two tour, and a half. In his beloved home state of Indiana, I thought, Maybe we'll get two and a half hours. And we got just short of two. Yeah. Could have gone with three or four could more Could have hit it. Yeah. It, it kind of fell a little short of what it could have been. But in the end, again, a very, very good show. Now, Dave and I have a difference of opinion on Minutes to Memories which I love, and I was very happy, along with Lonely Old Night. Those were the two songs I really wanted to hear. Yeah, now, Lonely again, Old Night is you, fantastic. The songs you mentioned, I'm, I would have been great with. Yeah. But Minutes to Memories, to me, off of Scarecrow, is just a phenomenal song. Yeah, you can have that one. It's not one of my favorites. Because it makes you think and it makes you feel. Yeah, and you're yeah. a heartless bastard. Yes. That's the problem. Yes, you're a I heartless am. bastard. I am, and I'm damn proud of it. But yeah, very good show. I will give it three and a half frenzies. Right on par. Yep. Three and a half is. If it wasn't it, for the AMC thing, probably yeah. closer to four. If, very close to four. If you would have knocked that piece out, and added the songs that we wanted, it would have been a four. Yep. Absolutely. Yep. Don't do the stupid movie stuff. Play your damn songs. Yep. And even if he'd thrown in a new song, another new song, he played one new song, which of course we're going to get to here in a minute. Shocked that he only played one new yeah, song off one. of Orpheus Descending. So even if he'd thrown one more new song in and then a couple more, of the ones we wanted. Yeah. And you could have skipped the beginning. I would have been fine with it. Yeah, absolutely. So still 
pleasantly surprised. It was enjoyable. Yep. All right, let's move on to the album. Orpheus Descending. His folk rock album, shall we say? Well, this is the way he's been going over the last 10 to 15 years. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's he, he thinks he's the new Woody Guthrie, Bob Dylan. All rolled into one. Right. Um, so you're not getting the rock and roll. No. That I've listened to this past week after the concert, you know, on that, that post-concert high, been listening to Scarecrow and Uh-huh. You're not getting that anymore. Kids. No, you're not getting no. that from him. He is he has toned it down, as Dave said. It's more folk rock now, and that's not necessarily awful, but it's not necessarily. It's great not John either. Mellencamp. It's not the, one, the John the Mellencamp John Mel- we grew up with. We, we grew up that we know and enjoyed. Right. So, I guess my big problem with it is, as I look back, and I have listened to this album a lot. Listen to it, getting ready for the show, thinking he'd probably play two or three songs, bare minimum, off of it. And then, of course, getting ready for the podcast. I just... There's not a bad song on the album, but there's not a lot of great songs. There's really nothing that stands out. Right. It's all a lot of... It's okay... It's you can listen to it in the background, but right. there's nothing that really s- jumps out at you. Right, right. I think there were only two songs that I really, really would say are keepers for me, and that is the title track, which reminded me of the theme from The Sopranos. Yeah, a little bit there. That that was okay. And then I did as a mellow song, because it's got a like a slow burn intensity. I did like the kindness of lovers. I love the beginning of the song where he's got that gravelly voice and he talks about yeah. there are only two cigarettes that matter, the yeah. first one and the last one you smoke. It was I love it was that all line. right. So I there's nothing really that jumped out to me that was the best on there well he got the politics out of the way early the yeah. first two singles hey god about the gun situation yeah in the eyes of portland about homeless people now he did the eyes of portland in concert and the story he told leading up to it why he wrote it that gave it a little more umph to appreciating it a little bit more. Yeah, we talked about that. I agree completely. Yeah. Um, And he played it acoustically. Yeah. In concert. Um, So it did make it a little bit better than when you hear it initially without the context. Yeah. Uh, but, But there's a lot of stuff on here that I look at and I go, you know, Amen, I thought was boring. I yeah, thought was, Backbone eh. was boring. See, I kind of like Backbone. See, I did uh, one of the worst songs on the album for me. It just did not resonate with me at all. Yeah. I didn't even hear a hook in it. I didn't hear anything. I don't know, it. something the, that I kind of liked about that. The worst one for me was uh, 
understated reverence. Now, see, that wasn't great. It was okay, I, I, but I thought it was better than Backbone. Yeah, I was just the opposite. But yeah, it, just, it's just not... Eh, it was yeah. eh. Yeah, it's just, again, you're not going to get the upbeat, rocking stuff anymore from him. I would say the title track was the closest you're going to get. And that um, was only okay. I, eh, I was... It was marginally above par but again i the lyrics on the album are are pretty good there are various nuggets you can pull out of it and i love in orpheus descending in the chorus if there's a will there's always a fucking way yeah i did a little like bit that of a defiant part. little you know that punch little, on that ugh. so like when we saw him in concert and at the end he was doing get the rhythm get, get the, the rhythm, rhythm get, get the, the fucking rhythm, rhythm. You know, get the rhythm, get the rhythm, get the The man rhythm. knows when to drop an F-bomb. Which was frequently during the yeah. show. <laughs> yes. But, uh, okay, I'm going to be interested to hear your rating on this. I, I'm actually going to give it a two and a half. Okay, well, that's where I'm going to. So, yeah. it was, it was okay. It wasn't phenomenal. It wasn't horrible. It was tolerable. You can yeah, listen like you to said, it. Background music. Yeah. Yeah. Um, right around that borderline of bare minimum recommendation. Yeah. 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 I can't give it any more than two and a half though. I really can't. Yeah, no. It it's it's just kind of milk toast across the board. All right. So you got to play catch up here on a couple things. Number one, I do concert with the struts. Number two, Queens of the Stone Age. Yes. So, so it's all about Dave for 10 it's minutes. It's all about me, damn it. Last week, the reason I missed, Mrs. C and I went down to Indianapolis for our anniversary, which was last Wednesday. But last Tuesday night, we went to see Mrs. C's favorite band, The Struts. I will start with the opening act. A new band. Out of Detroit, Max Saturn opened. They had a little half-hour set with eight songs. They come out and, yeah, they're totally 70s. They're, they're a, what was it, one, two, was it like a six-piece band? The drummer looked like John Oates. The guitar one guitarist looked like he had the captain's hat and the loose shirt looked like he could have he came out of Jaws 2. The bass player was the one who did not belong. <laughs> it was just his outfit did not go with everybody else's 70s vibe, but musically they were very tight. Um first couple songs were okay. Mint julep, Persian rugs. Like I said, musically very tight. Lyrics singing, the first couple, not a huge fan of. Uh, Get on the phone was decent. Paradiso, good. Ain't like you. Then they hit Mr. Cadillac. 
This had that true 70s rock and little vibe going that I really enjoyed. Then Sleep and Plays Plain Clothes Gentleman. Closing out on more of an upbeat. For an opening band, first time through seeing them, they were pretty good. So I, I would give them two and a half to three in that area. Just we'll see. They've got some potential. I'd like to see what they do down the line. But then you get to the main attraction with the struts. Hour and a half played. Less than 10 minutes downtime between that includes the couple minutes between what they finished and their encore and any little bit that they had between songs. But they were pretty much just boom, 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 boom. High energy played throughout. Uh, 17 songs throughout there. Couple of new songs that they had. They've got a new album coming out later this year. Uh, Pretty Vicious. And what was the other new one? Too Good at Raisin' Hell. Too Good at Raisin' Hell came in at four. Both of them are really good. Classic struts, if you know what they are. They did a cover of Lord's Royals, which was interesting not too bad and then they did kind of a mix rolling in they had in love with the camera cool matter of time wild child can't sleep and somebody knew it was like over 10 minutes of just boom one right into the other keeping with their high high octane pace um Ending, of course, the encore, Fire on the Piano. Luke Spiller came out doing his own thing on that. And then everybody came out to wrap up with what's probably their biggest song, Could Have Been Me. So, solid show. High energy stuff. I'm, I'm giving the overall thing three and a half easy nice so nice it was fun it was rocking we actually the group we were standing with had a lot of fun with everybody'd seen them before before the show we were all talking about everybody that we'd seen we'd all been to multiple shows at the same time yeah <laughs> which was kind of fun talking about oh yeah we were there oh we were yeah yeah because you mentioned that the first time we saw them they opened for foo fighters and yeah you mentioned that you talked to some people that yeah them. that they were there at that show right. as well right. and other shows at deer creek and through Indy, and yeah it, it, we we were with a good group of folks right there which really made it a lot more fun so we had a fantastic time. So why don't you play catch up with Queens of the Stone Age, and then we'll take a break, and then we'll spill over a little bit with our singles. We're going to do spillage. Yeah. So, all right, Queens of the Stone Age, in Time's New Roman, some of the highlights for me. And I will, kids, he does not know 
he has not listened to my review last week. That's right. I will right. tell you that. So I really liked the first song. Was it Obscenery? And Paper Machete. Solid start for those two. The ones I didn't like. What was it? Make to Parade. Made to Parade. Made to yeah. Parade and Sicily were the two I did not care for at all. The rest of them on there were good. I enjoyed them. They were okay. Overall, I'm going to give it a three. I gave it a three and a half. Um, we agree on Sicily. That was one of the two oh songs God. that I thought was weak. Um, I also thought that the closing track was kind of weak. Yeah. Straight jacket fitting. Um, it was too damn long, and, and it, it sounded like the doors. And then they were it, trying to be the doors on that it, one. And then it went into the instrumental at the end. And, yeah. It, uh, <laughs> but I thought through the first, what, seven songs, it was absolutely rock solid. Um, now, I like Made to Parade a little bit more than you. Yeah, that, so, that was one of my least favorites, but... But, yeah, the paper machete is awesome. Um, yeah, it, it, it's it's a typical it's, Queens of the Stone Age album. Yeah. Is what it is. They have not strayed from their formula. And, and his guitar solo, Josh Homme's guitar solo on paper machete, that fuzzy guitar solo is just... That was Oh my god, it's orgasmic. It's so good. Yeah. I love it. I had the to listen to they, it they come numerous times because the yeah. first time I'm like, I can't listen to this all the way through. Yeah. There would I maybe it was the time, but everything just kind of melded together. Right. And I'm like, I gotta I gotta take a break, step away from it. This is one where I think it's more enjoyable where you break it up instead of running it straight through i can see that because again this is this is them just i don't want to say it in a negative way painting by numbers this is queens of the stone age doing what most of the time we want our bands to do which is you find the formula that was successful for you you stick with it like def leppard the last album what sucked beyond belief when they did the two country songs yeah we want when Def Leppard sounding like Def Leppard. I want Queens of the Stone Age sounding like Queens of the Stone Age. And for the most part, that's what this album is. Yeah. And so that's why I liked it so much. Negative Space. Great song. Oh, my God. I love Negative Space. It was okay. I wasn't over the moon about no, it. I loved it. But it was okay. Loved it. Loved it. But, uh, yeah, I gave it a little bit higher ranking than you. Um, but I agreed Sicily was a weak moment. And again, the last song, Straight Jacket Fitting, was a little bit of a weak moment. Yeah, as that was well. eh. Yeah. If they would have cut it down and tightened it up, it could have been so much better. Yep. And we've always been talking about that here over the last year, it seems like, always been saying, give us less. You don't have to fill the entire CD. It doesn't have to be a 70 minute album. If you cut it down to 55 and the album is tighter, and it sounds better, do it. We'll, we'll be fine with it. Not everybody can pull off a seven-minute-plus song. Right. But everybody now seems to want to. Yeah. 
no, you're not all Metallica. Just stop. Yeah, and we'll actually discuss that here in the next segment because we're going to have a little bit of a spillover. We're going to discuss... We've got spillage. We've got two songs to discuss. Then we'll get into our featured movie review of the week, which, of course, is Netflix's sequel that we've all been waiting for, Extraction 2. So stay tuned, kids. Quick Good promo. stuff coming. Yep, we'll be right back. She walked into my office just as I was reaching for the bottle in my bottom desk drawer. Legs till Tuesday, lips like pillows. I want to hire you, she said, to find Sports Frenzy 2.0. Doll, I said. That would be the easiest case ever. Sports Frenzy 2.0 is on Spotify, Anchor, Google, Apple, everywhere you listen to podcasts. She nodded to herself, sat down and smiled. I grabbed two glasses. Life was good. And so is Sports Frenzy 2.0. All right, kids, welcome back to the weekend edition, 4th of July style. Happy birthday, America. Here as we record June 28th, dropping Saturday, June the July the 1st, 2023. Sports Frenzy 2.0 has spillage from music on Spotify, Google, Radio Public, Pocket Cast, Amazon, Audible, iHeartRadio, Apple, Overcast, CastBox, and Stitcher. <laughs> no. If you haven't heard the news, oh. why is Dave crying? Because Stitcher is officially shutting down in two months, August the 29th. Ruining the feng shui of listing our platforms. Yes. If you have suggestions, feel free to drop us a line on the Facebook page and let us know which of these platforms we've got left. Spotify, Google, Radio Public, Pocket Cast, Apple, Overcast, CastBot, Amazon, Audible iHeart. No, nothing beats Stitcher. I agree. Nothing. Nothing beats Stitcher. We're going to be sad to see Stitcher go. God, we're going to have to revamp the entire damn thing. Yep. New promos, new everything. But for now, we've still got two songs to review to wrap up music because we had concerts, multiple concerts, multiple albums. I have, I know you took one for the team last week. And I subjected myself to Greta. Farewell for now. Farewell forever. This is not going to be a good album. This is not the band that we initially thought we were getting from the first album first album and a half that actually rocked that had some hope for the future that has now gone down the toilet 
first three songs, no bueno. Not good at all. I'm done. I'm washing my hands of Greta Van Fleet officially. Which is basically what I told everybody last week. And it's got nothing to do with the lead singers coming out of the closet. That's not it. No, they have been overproduced. They are not the rock band that they started out being. They have been wussified, overproduced, and gone to pop hell. Yeah, I think they took the whole, the whole comparisons to the 70s, the Led Zeppelin comparisons, and they went way over the top with them. They destroyed the essence of this band. Yes. So I'm, I told you guys last week, I'm out. Dave agrees now. Greta Van Fleet is now persona non grata on Sports Frenzy. You will not have the album review from us. No. Nope, we're done. I'm not wasting my goddamn time. No, that's I'm the whole thing. Done. We are more than generous with trying, but like Dave said, three songs in, three awful, terrible, unfocused, stupid songs. I have better things to do with my life than wasted on a Greta Van Fleet album at this point in time. After we went to see them live, and being. Bitterly disappointed. But we did get rival sons. There you go. Got to take the positive with the negative. That we do. All right, got two more songs, two new songs. New one from Alice Cooper. Kind of like a Alice Cooper theme song. This is kind of his musical biography, almost, which could have probably been done 10, 20 years ago. Yeah, I agree. Would have been better in the the meat, the center of his career instead of the tail end. Yeah, but still, I liked it. I thought it was fun. It it was was a fun fun little homage to his whole career of what he has been and is. Yeah, the little spoken word part reminded me of ACDC and Bon Scott. Yes, exactly. Um, I, I'm not going to go nutsy cuckoo over the moon about this, but it is fun. I've heard better quote-unquote theme songs. Night Ranger comes to mind, of course. Yeah, I've heard worse. And I've heard worse. Yes, so I'll give, it, I'll give two and a half. Right on par with yeah. me. Two and a half. It's fun. Yep. It's enjoyable. Yep. There yep. you go. Yep. It's Alice. Or I'm, I'm Alice. Alice. <laughs> yeah, so, if we didn't tell you kids, that's the name of the song. Yeah, <laughs> I'm Alice is the song. And it, it it's fun. Yeah. It's fun. Nothing groundbreaking, but we'll take it. We'll take it. And then a new band that Dave recommended, Deadly yep. Vices. They're song down river kind of a rocking little jaunt not bad not horrible right um i agree kind of middle of the I road can't, i can't figure out if i want to compare this song to alice in chains because of the way it sounds or because 
Down River makes me think of Damn That River, the classic <laughs> yeah. Alice in Chains song. So I'll take counterfeit Alice in Chains over the alternative. Let's put it that way. So it's fine. I will give it a week, two and a half frenzies. That's right where I'm at. Yeah. Two and a half. But now it's... the other songs they've got out is more your milieu with the screamo. <laughs> this one at least refrains from that stuff that yeah, I this, hate. This is more mellow. This is more you. Grungy. It's a little grungy. It's a little grungier than the it's other stuff. A little more thoughtful and intelligent. That's why it's... It's, yeah. That's why it's mine. okay. Yeah, you go with that. <laughs> All right, next week for music, we are going to review Aaron Jones' new album, Chronicles of the Kid, along with the new single from Mammoth WVH. Take a bow, nearly seven minutes with Wolfie playing his dad's old Frankenstein guitar. Very interesting to hear the review on both sides on this one. Double shot of Rick Springfield. Yes, Rick Springfield, along with Duran Duran, one of those underrated, abused. Our guilty pleasure. Yes. New album from Rick Springfield. Title track, Automatic, and She Walks with the Angels. And then, of course, Slam Dunk, No Doubt, three and a half. I'm telling you right now, at least three and a half frenzies. The second single from the Hives upcoming album, The Death of Randy Fitzsimmons. Because Count it's down, the freaking Hives. Countdown to shut down. But now, one of the most anticipated movie reviews here on Sports Frenzy, the weekend edition of all 2023. We have been waiting since the end of extraction for extraction two to make its appearance is rake dead he looks dead is he dead of course he's not of dead. of course he's not come on those of you who watch john wick chapter four do you really think john wick's dead hell no where there's money to be made there's always life there will be a resurrection <laughs> Have you not read any comic books in your entire life? So, yes, of course. Rake is back. Extraction 2. Same director, of course, Sam Hargrave. Same, pro same producers, the Russo brothers. And really, have we been disappointed with the Russo brothers producing anything? No. No. No, now I will say this. This might be a point of contention. Now, you know, I loved the first extraction. I loved it. I gave it four It frenzies. was a solid four frenzy flick. It was one of the greatest action movies of all time. Right up there with the John Wicks. At least one, two, and four. Did I hate Extraction 2? No. Did I love it? There, Here's there, my problem. There, with it. there were there were issues I had with it as well. 
the action sequences are unbelievable. I mean, ridiculous. Definitely on the same high, high level as the first extraction. That but, entire prison break sequence. Was, well, that was the continuous, the, the yeah. now, now what they're calling the infamous 20 plus minute continuous shot. Yeah. It did not disappoint. No, no. And then even the tower fight later on was ridiculous. Oh God, that was insane. Where they're fighting on glass panels about, what, 50 stories up, 40, 50 stories up? At least. Up. My problem is not with the action. The action in these extraction movies is unbelievable. Chris Hemsworth is awesome. The problem I have with Extraction 2, and I don't know if it's just because I've seen Extraction 1, but it seems like in this one, the plot is even more paper, toilet tissue thin. I mean, literally, the plot could be summed up in three sentences. There is no drama. There no. is no surprises. It's just, get me to the next action set piece. And then blow me away, and then I got to put up with five or ten minutes of drama and family stuff, and basically generic, I've been there, done that, seen it before, bare minimum plot points, and then another action sequence. Yeah. I, the big issue I had was, oh, he's near death, just came out of a coma, and what? Three months later? He's supposed to be in top fighting shape. Yeah, I, I agree with that, too. I do. The whole timeline thing I had major issues with. And the whole, oh, my ex-wife suddenly wants yeah, me I didn't to like help. Yeah, I didn't like that either. No, that was crap. Yeah. And to throw the whole thing with his kid dying and that, that was not needed. The whole backstory going into it, fluff piece. Very weak. The whole, the brothers, the bad guy situation was, eh, really? That's what I'm saying. It's really? just all, it was, it was very, very poorly written. You've got to give us something, okay? You might think we're all a bunch of meatheads who all we want is is death, destruction, it, as much gun... John Wick! No! The John Wick movies have a mythology. They have characters. They have things that tie us in. Bring us together. Make us care about the characters. Yeah. This, there was nothing. When they In John Wick 4, and if you haven't seen it by now, shame on you. They blow up the Continental in New York. I mean, in the first 10 minutes of the movie, you've already got a major plot point. You've got Winston sitting there what on the verge the of tears. You've just... taken away my purpose in life. There is not even close to a moment of gravitas like that in the Extraction 2. There is no. no I mean, it is just, again, generic cookie-cutter writing. This, this was your classic money grab sequel to a point to a point i will not disparage again what they did with the action sequences 
They are again. It's, top it's notch. a bad plot. It's a bad plot. It's it a was bad poorly plot. Con- it was poorly together. conceived. It's like it's like a Christmas ornament, a string of of Christmas ornaments on a tree. You got the weak tinsel and you leading got the, to the big shiny ooh, bulb. The flashy bulbs yeah. and then you get more weak tinsel leading to another big flashy bulb. That's all it is. It yeah. is the the quote unquote plot is it's, there to get you to the next action set piece. And really the dumbass nephew, come on. Did you not see all that coming? Yes. Yeah, I did, obviously. And if you if you got like five brain cells, you, you would knew see it what coming. was gonna happen. Yeah. It was so I'm glad at least I'm not the only one that found it a little bit insulting in terms of the plot. As great as the first one was, the second one had that let down. I will still, I will say this. The because action sequences I will still were give it phenomenal. Three. I will still give it three frenzies. Because the action the sequences act- were that yes. good. Yeah, it was. They were that good. Yeah, it made up for the lack of writing, right. lack of plot. But you're not getting me anywhere close to the first rating with the four. No. No. This has now become a good action franchise. But they ha- if they it do- could have been great. You you know there's going to be a third. They've well, yeah. got a lot to do yeah, to make t- up for the second. No spoilers, but yeah, we're not going through the whole near death crap again. No, they basically tell you at the end there's going to be a, a third, third one. Yeah, and they've got a lot to make up for if they want to get back to a four frenzy status. Yeah. So what do you give it? I'm at a three. Are you at a three too? All right. I, there there was enough that I'm like, really? Really? Come on. The action was freaking phenomenal. The fight sequences were great. There were some that like, oh, come on. That's so damn cliche. Yep. But, yeah, I don't know why, but the first one, I'll have to go back and rewatch the first one, I guess. But the first one just felt tighter. Just felt like it was more of a well-oiled machine. It did. It just it it moved at a much better pace. Yes. There was no downtime. It just flowed. This kind of felt herky jerky. Right. And I agree with you about the criticism of of the healing time. That uh, he's not four in this, kids. Take no. that for take that. Where he suddenly goes from having his arm in a sling to suddenly doing a thousand push-ups and being in full fighting shape. Yep. Really? No. Yeah. No. And even at the end, I saw a couple things that made me question. Um, Let's just say he took certain hits, certain parts of his body, and then all of a sudden he's using those parts of his body. Yeah. Ten seconds later. As if nothing happened. Yeah, not, no. 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 Again, but the action sequences will redeem it to a point. To a point. To a point, yes. But yeah, outside of the action stuff, it just feels flimsy and generic. Yeah, it it was, it did not live up to the first one. You're on notice. We'll give you a passing grade for number two, number three. Better you be better freaking bring it. 
All right, little bit of movie news, and then Dave has got a book review for you. Shocking, isn't it? Our weekly update, or almost weekly update, on the writer's strike. <laughs> well, the writer's strike has fucked over anybody that wanted to go to Comic-Con because most of the major studios have dropped out of Comic-Con this year in San Diego. You know, that's freaking pathetic. Absolutely pathetic. Just because there's a writer's strike does not mean you cannot go and represent your franchise. And of all all those people who have bought hotel rooms, who have bought plane tickets ahead of time, and they're getting screwed. Again, they don't give a shit about us, people. You better understand, as fans, we don't matter to them at all. No, which brings us to the Screen Actors Guild and their negotiations because these money-grubbing actors want even more damn money and they're threatening to go on strike to not act in anything once maybe the writer's strike ends. Seriously, fuck Hollywood. These elitist, entitled assholes are out of freaking control. Shut up and entertain us. Take the million dollars, whatever you get. You don't need any damn more. Yeah, and the thing is, we're just coming out of the pandemic where we had no new content for how long? Because we couldn't film. We couldn't make any new content. Oh, you had stuff in the can. Oh, we can't edit it because we can't be in the editing room. F you, you pieces of garbage. And now we're hearing about all the streaming services, just like with Warner Brothers when they said, we're not going to release Batgirl and we're going to take the write off on it. We're seeing a lot of these streaming services now taking these quote-unquote tax write-offs. They're yeah. dumping content. They're not moving forward with content. And now with the strikes... You, what, you see this strike coming. We're going to wind up getting Batgirl. Everything that's been canned, they're going to have to release if they want any new content oh, no. out there. No, all we're going to get, Dave, reality TV. I'm convinced. They want reality TV 24-7 on every goddamn network. And you know including what? Including the streaming services. And Guess what? People are not going to watch that shit. No. And guess who doesn't go on strike? Sports. We're covered. We'll watch sports. Hey. We'll watch the NFL. We'll watch racing. That's not underneath the purview of SAG or the Writers Guild. Guess what? People can read books. There you Shocking. Go. Two more Turn notes. off the damn boob tube, the idiot box. Two more notes, and then I will let Dave hit. He will go off on his book review to prove his point. We have a new Superman. Oh, yay. James Gunn has made his decision. You don't know him. You don't know him. So what's what's the big deal with the drum roll? Nobody knows this kid. Hey, it's a new yet Superman. Another, I'm knew, just nobody, I'm trying to add to the drama. Nobody knew Brandon Routh. Who? Nobody knew Henry Cavill back then. Right? Who's Brandon Routh? Brandon Routh, he was in Legends of Tomorrow. He played in Superman Returns. Oh, that guy. 
Anyway, your new Superman is David Cornswit. Who? David Cornswit. Who? David Cornswit. The fuck's he been in? Not much. <laughs> now, I will say this. They cast Lois Lane as well. Now, you, sh- you might know Lois-, Lois Lane. Rachel Brosnahan, who stars in Amazon Prime's The Magnificent Miss Maisel. Okay. But, uh, yeah, I have no I'm idea. I'm not impressed. Who David Cornsweat is. Who? David Cornsweat. <laughs> corn sweat? Yeah, I'm getting to the point where I'm calling corn sweat. That's almost how you spell corn it. Corn sweat too. isn't that what the props do in the middle of July? <laughs> you can tell in the middle of July if you're going to have a good corn crop or a bad corn crop by the amount of corn sweat you get. <laughs> On the husk. I got some corn sweat between my balls. Is there any corn sweat on the tassel? Because I'm bringing in the high school kids to detassel the corn. I got the corn sweat between my balls as I'm taking the corn and husking it. it, Stop wearing the overalls, Dave, and then you won't have as much corn sweat. Maybe I need to get some gold bond. (laughs) That's what we call on the farm. If you need a gold bond, you're a pussy. That's what you are. That's your new Superman, by the way. <laughs> and then finally, we don't really celebrate anniversaries or birthdays all that much here on Sports Frenzy, but this one I think I needed to bring up. Yesterday, as we tape on the 28th of June, June 27th, the 50-year anniversary of Roger Moore, his first appearance on the big screen as James Bond in Live and Let Die. 50 years. Yesterday. 50 years yesterday as we tape. Roger Moore took over as 007. Of course, they said, you're no Sean Connery. And Roger Moore went on to star, what, 15 years? Pretty much. Pretty much. As as James Bond. So he basically said, fuck you, people. And some were good. The longest running James Bond. Yeah. Some were good. Some were cringeworthy. The end was pretty bad. The end was really bad. Yeah. We won't talk about Octopussy. Yeah, Yeah. no. Living Daylights. That's, no, that's Dalton. That's Dalton. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. You're going into the after Roger Moore era. Yeah. Which, eh. Give the kids your book review. Which one? You pick. Whatever one you want to do this week. All right. And we, then save one for next week. I can do two, because I'll probably have another one for next oh, week. Oh, Jesus Christ, you're living up to your reputation. Yes, yes, I am. Go ahead. You got four minutes to do two. All right. Last week we talked, or two weeks ago when I was here, we talked and discussed A Mind to Kill. Right. Anthony Horowitz, James Bond. Right. I went back and read Casino Royale. Oh, that's right. You told me you did. Yeah. The first Ian Fleming, James Bond. Very damn good. I was, yeah. Yeah. I'm going to go back and read the rest of the Ian Fleming Bond books. 
Yes, Casino this, Royale did not disappoint. And it does not matter how far back in history you go. Rules here on Sports Frenzy. If it's the first time you read it or watched it. It counts. You do not have to do story time. No. So, never read any of the Ian Flemings. Casino Royale was great. Very good. The whole bit with Daniel Craig was pretty good. They did a faithful job to it. There were some things, of course, they modernized, but overall, love the book. You gotta read Ian Fleming's stuff. So, more may be coming down the line, kids. Rating? So, I will give it a solid three and a half. I mean, oh. it's Bond, for yeah. crying out loud. By Ian Fleming. Yeah. By Ian Fleming. So, there you go. And I did not, don't think I did not take note of that nice segue there. As I go from you, you Roger like Moore's that? anniversary to <laughs> Casino Royale. Very I nice. I thought you'd appreciate that. I do. I do. love it very much. So, the next one I have for this week, we've talked about Andrew Grant, who is now co-writing with his brother, Lee Child, the Reacher books. Going back to one of his first solos, even with his British Navy commander, David Trevelyan, this was billed as what could have been a new series which would have done very well as a series, but has only been a one-off. I will tell you, I will give this one a week three and a half, solid three. Still very high rating. Very high rating. This, this was really good. A solid character does not play well with others. He's definitely a lone wolf. British Navy commander, does stuff for the British government, is in New York, just finished up with his mission. After dinner, walking along, finds a dead body, gets blamed for the murder. Turns out it's an FBI undercover agent. He gets sucked into that. British intelligence disavows him because he's a loose cannon, goes off trying to clear his name. Two different storylines merging together in this. You don't know what is really going on. Very, very good. Very good mystery. The only thing that kept it lower was the ending was kind of abrupt and you didn't get anything further. So still very high rating. Even by Andrew Grant. Very good book. All right, kids. TV and streaming up next. Dave and I will be right back. Hello, I'm James Cameron, prestigious film director. And since it takes me over a decade to make a movie. I've got plenty of time between takes to listen to my favorite podcast, Sports Frenzy 2.0, on Spotify, Google, Radio Public, Pocket Casts, Apple, Overcast, CastBox, Stitcher, 
Amazon, and Audible. Hey, wait, I'm having an epiphany. I have a new idea. Summer of 2035. Blue robots from the future on a doomed ocean liner. Oh, brilliant. Where's Arnold? Get me Schwarzenegger. What about DiCaprio? Oh, what about Edward Furlong? We know he's not doing anything. <laughs> All right, kids, weekend edition. One final segment left taping here on June the 28th, 2023. This will hit the 1st of July. 2023. Boom! Go the fireworks. He's a conquistador Dave Height. He's a maestro Kevin Crane. All right, we Stitch. have <laughs> Dave is still in mourning about Stitcher. We've got two months to bury Stitcher here on Sports Frenzy. And probably gonna end up burying a lot of other crap along the way. But hopefully. We'll be talking about some better stuff here for the next couple minutes when it comes to TV and streaming. This is kind of where we recap what we've been watching. Maybe week in, week out, maybe taking a week off. I know Dave has been faithfully, and I admire him for this watching Gotham Knights, which just wrapped up here the other night. I've got to catch up on it because he has told me nothing but good things about how they have portrayed Harvey Dent, a.k.a. Two-Face. Yep. They have done a great job. The CW, we have railed on it being so PC. And there there are some PC components to Gotham Knights. But it's not driven down your throat like most of the other shows. It just flows. This has been a breath of fresh air in the DC universe. Where it's just different enough and the storyline is original enough. I have thoroughly enjoyed this. And the whole way they have been portraying Harvey Dent has been brilliant. And I will wait until you're caught up to give the final review of this season one. The only season because the idiots canceled it. Very pissed that they did. Because the writing on this was so well done. Their vision for it was brilliant. This, it's a travesty that it came to an end the way it did. Well, I think this is a, a basically a black mark on Warner Brothers because this is what they continue to do. is We're going to just cancel everything associated with DC before... James Gunn got hired, including Titans on HBO Max, including Doom Patrol. We're still waiting for the second half of season four on Doom Patrol. Yeah, that that was a major, major screw up by Warner Brothers. Titans to and eliminate Doom Titans were top and Doom Patrol. Level, top level, well done, well acted, well cast shows that should never have been canceled. And Gotham Knights. You've seen the whole first season. I've seen about half of it. Very well done. 
Yeah. For the, for the CW, as much as we've railed on them for the last few years, how they destroyed Arrow, how they screwed up Legends of Tomorrow, how they ruined Flash, the stupidity of Stargirl, Star Gotham Knights was very well done. One season. Seriously, an abomination. Yep, I agree completely. Other shows, in terms of the news, Dave, in this case, has been more tolerant, and usually I'm the one that's more tolerant. But in this case, Dave was more tolerant, but unfortunately did not play out. The resurrection of Magnum P.I., the reboot, will be ending here soon. Season 5 on NBC will be its last I'm not surprised. There's only so far you could have gone with it. Now, to me, never should have touched it. Never should have messed with Magnum. Never should have messed with Magnum. But I don't think they should have messed with MacGyver. I don't think they should have messed with Hawaii Five O. Some of these properties, to me, are sacrosanct. You just don't mess with them. You don't. I am still scarred to this day thinking of Will Smith as James West. That's just an abomination. Now there's there's no excuse for that having been done. Won't be the first, won't be the last. Nope. Queen Latifah as the equalizer comes to mind. Oh God. You know, the one thing I'm I would been waiting on is how many of those classic 70s shows that we've enjoyed are going to re- be rebooted with the the writers strike but now with the screen actors guild getting ready to strike what are we going to get that's a great point though that is a great point because i remember way back in the day when there was a a writer strike Excellent point. They rebooted Mission Impossible, and they refilmed the old scripts with new actors. They did. Yes. So I've been waiting for that to happen now, but with the the SAG <clears throat> pompous asshats getting ready to strike because we don't make enough money as millionaires, F you, shut up entertain me and then of course a show that uh probably not a lot of you watch but i have actually gotten through the first three seasons the fourth season coming up will be the last for martin freeman in breeders on fx now as far as what i've watched the past week Yes, of course, I watched the latest. Beavis and Butthead is not dead yet. I thought it was going to end after 10 episodes. Looks like they're going 12 or 13. Oh, there's a bonus for you. So last week was episode 11. The Chibata Zone. (laughs) And old Beavis and Butthead in a warehouse. Um, This is kind of falling into a pattern I can see now. 
where one of them's good, one of them's bad. And the, that's always the been Shibata the case. zone was kind of stupid. Warehouse was actually a very funny tweak on Amazon. Nice. Very funny parody of Amazon. See, so. that's always been Beavis and Butthead. One's right. always been good. One's kind of sucked. Yep. So Still overall worth watching, though. And then I have followed through. Last week I watched episode one, season six of Black Mirror. I've heard good things about it. I may have to go in. Now, it's only the whole season's only five episodes. Season six is only five episodes. Last week was Joan is Awful with Salma Hayek. This week was Locke Henry, which was kind of a Blair Witch type of mystery slash horror movie. Um, Not bad. Not bad at all. Pretty Uh, good. What they're doing, the theme for this season seems to be And I read a review saying they're biting the hand that feeds them. Basically, they're making fun of Netflix. Every episode ties in somehow to Netflix, or as they call it, Streamberry. So instead of the N, the N, you get an S. And both of the the first two episodes have featured Streamberry. Nice. So I have a feeling that the last three will also include this Netflix parody slash knockoff. But uh, I have been very, very pleased with the first two episodes. Nice. So I just like the whole anthology thing. Those those are always cool. Yep. Bring in different writers for every episode, like the old Twilight Zone used to. Yeah. So I, I, I kind of dig it. So. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm going to go... Probably should have done it the last segment with movies, but this past Sunday night, you know, we're recording the 28th. So was it Sunday the 25th would have been Mrs. C and I went to an inconceivable evening with Carrie Elways. So we went locally to see a screening of The Princess Bride, the movie. So much fun watching it with a theater full of people, cheering as everybody, the favorite characters came on, booing at the villains, everybody quoting the big quotes from the movie. So it was a lot of fun. And then after it was over, Carrie Elways, who played... Wesley, the Dread Pirate Roberts, the main character, comes out and does a little Q&A session, talks about the film, how behind the scenes, interacting with everybody, how he and Andre the Giant interacted, working with Rob Reiner, how they talked, meeting Billy Crystal and working with Robin Wright, Mandy Patinkin, just all the backstories. And then it it was a lot of fun. He was hysterical, good stuff throughout. Then they took, when you went in, they handed people who wanted to 
write down questions for them. They took the five most freaking generic questions they possibly could have. What was it like with this? Blah, blah, blah. What was your favorite role? Being a father. Blah, blah, blah. Those were lame, but just his storytelling about the making of the film was great. An absolute pleasant evening. So He could have, with the father one, you could have said that and then gone on to say... But if we're talking about film or TV... Right. Of course they didn't delve into anything deep. My question that I wrote out to ask was, who did you have more fun playing? Wesley from The Princess Bride or Despero on the TV series Psych? Three episodes, he was Despero. Brilliant. You could tell he had fun with that role. And then the follow-up was, is there any talks of you being in the next Psych movie, bringing Despero back? No, that was too damn intelligent for the screeners. Yeah. But it was a fun night. We enjoyed it. It was a lot. Of, it was great. Very nice. All right, kids. About that time, unfortunately, to discuss moments of silence. People in pop culture over the past week who have left us. Of course, we knew this was coming. We've been talking about it for months and months and months. Finally, remains were found out in L.A. in the uh, the California mountains, the hiking areas that uh, actor Julian Sands has been identified and has finally been confirmed as passing away after a long search. Yep. It's, it's sad that it happened, but I'm glad that there's finally closure for the family. Yep. Absolutely. Little, little known drummer. Technically the first drummer for Megadeth. Lee Rauch passed away this past week. Played on a demo, I think. For their initial record deal or... Yeah. Very short-lived career with Megadeth. But technically, their first drummer, Lee Rauch, passes away. Soap opera fans out there, you'd have to look him up. Because if you see his face... You're going to know who he is. But in a ton of soap operas. Yeah. Nicholas Coster, probably most notable for Santa Barbara, but had bit roles in a number of others. Yep. Yeah, I recognize him from when I was younger when I had my little flirt flirtation with, with soap operas. Yeah. Yeah. It, let's face it. Everybody has gotten sucked into watching soap operas for a period of time. Oh yeah. Yeah. 
Better than reality TV, let's put it that way. Yep. And come on, he played Blair's dad on The Facts of Life. Right. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> now, personally, for me, the big one, uh, he has not done anything for quite a while, but Academy Award nominated for one of the greatest movies of all time, arguably one of the greatest war movies of all time, Frederick Forrest. In Apocalypse Now. If you have never seen Apocalypse Now, I just... Shame on you. I I don't know what to say to you. How it is tied into Joseph Conrad's Heart of Darkness. How Francis Ford Coppola made the whole thing into an allegory of traveling into the dark, seedy heart of man. With Marlon Brando at the end. How we parlayed that into our final public public access, access skit. Yep. yep. And we did oh so well with it. It was our magnum opus. Yep. Opening segment. Yep. Yep. Someday, someday people will find the VHS tapes. And I go, what, what, what is this? What am I supposed to do with this? How do I play it? It's okay. I transferred them to DVD. The brilliance that has been Sports Frenzy and Sports Frenzy 2.0 over these decades, our cable access intros. Where we tried initially with our vision to make a combination of Saturday Night Live and the sports reporters. We were trying to have fun with the first 10 minutes and then give you serious sports commentary with a little pop culture mixed in. Yep. But let's face it. We had the most fun doing the intros. Yep. (laughs) But all I remember is the elder statesman. Oh, God, I can't believe this takes us an hour and a half to do a 10-minute intro. Yeah, but most of them were brilliant. The great artists in cinema take that long to make the scene work just right. Like we did. Like with Ben Roethlisberger's motorcycle accident. (laughs) The actual recreation? Yes, with Hot Wheels cars. (laughs) That took a lot of time and a lot of effort. And let's face it, most of the time we didn't know what we were doing until we were there. No, because it was hard work to come up with an idea, to come up with something that we could put together, everybody collaborated on. Yep. You know, that's the thing. Sam's always got to, he's always bringing up his line about Vader Dark. Yep, VD. (laughs) For our Star Wars episode. His improv line for, yeah, for the Star Wars episode. But we digress. couple of dumbasses to wrap up the weekend edition for you kids first up you might dispute the fact that i'm saying this is a dumbass move but why the hell does ryan seacrest get to host everything The man has little charisma no talent yet somehow everybody thinks oh there's an opening 
hosting a big-time show. Let's talk to Ryan Seacrest. So now he's going to replace Pat Sajak on the Wheel of Fortune. It's better than Whoopi Goldberg. Well, yeah. No shit. Satan would be better than Whoopi Goldberg. Desperation. They didn't have a clue what they were going to do. There was no succession plan in place. And now Vanna, of course, is is bartering for more money, saying she'll come back and work with Seacrest if she gets a massive raise. Yeah, to touch a freaking black panel, a blank panel, when it lights up. <laughs> Hard work. Yeah. N- no. Just. But- just yeah, good just if you can get it though. Both of them go at the same time. Who do you bring in as uh, the the Vanna replacement then? Kelly Clarkson. If she touches the thing, it'll break in half. I want a sandwich. I'm Kelly Clarkson. Would, would this be the second coming of Mama Cass? Oh, Jesus, God. I see those commercials with her, and I just, I feel bad for her. Because the, the I'm embracing how I look. The Wayfair and commercials. And you're going to mm. die soon. Because you are a fat tub of goo. Yes, a lot of us are out of shape. But she is letting herself go and just sliding down that rabbit hole into coronary distress a lot sooner than she has to go talk to jennifer hudson go talk to her who got herself in shape and i think she looked better when she was heavy yeah but at least now she's healthy yeah kelly clarkson is not healthy in any way shape or form right just you gotta do something get out of the purple moo moo on those Wayfair commercials. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Yeah. If they put on a blue one, she's going to look like, uh, what's her Violet. name? Violet from <laughs> Willy Wonka. <laughs> Violet, you're turning Violet, Violet. Take her to the juicing room. And then finally, what fun would it be if we... We've got to bring in a politician, don't we? We've got to. I guess so. Barack Obama. Oh, what a great president Barack was. Not. We all, last week I talked about, we all know about the the tragedy of the Titan mini-sub that went down trying to get to the Titanic with the rich guys aboard. Yes. And everybody knew it was not a safe vessel. It had been blasted for years of not being safe. But, oh, no. Oh, no. Former President Barack Obama can't just take the high road and talk about it's a tragedy, the loss of life. Can we learn something from this? No, he says it's a quote-unquote obscene inequality of 
media news coverage because we focused on all these rich guys, these six rich guys in this sub where a migrant boat sank in the Mediterranean Sea and nobody cared. Nobody talked about that. An obscene inequality of media coverage. Well, how many of these migrant vessels have sank over the years? Quite a damn few. Here's what I'm saying. So Barack Obama wants equal coverage. If a tragedy happens to a rich person, just like a tragedy happens to a poor person. Okay. So when that fucker dies, I don't want to hear anybody talk about it. I wanted them to talk about some guy in the homeless shelter in San Francisco before they talk about Barack Obama. Exactly. Because goddamn knows his family will say, you better make this the most spectacular funeral and week leading up to the funeral ever. You better talk about him nonstop, CNN. You better talk about him nonstop, CNN. Oh, but here we got to talk about the migrant boat sinking versus the Titanic mini-sub because we can't have inequality of coverage. So, Barack, when you die, fuck you. How about that? And this from the guy... No coverage for you, bitch. And this from the guy who fucked everybody on health insurance. Yeah. But, oh, my God. Non-stop, wall-to-wall, hours and hours of coverage. Days and days. Weeks and weeks. When the great Barack Obama passes away. Where's the equality then, Barack? Where is the coverage equality going to be then. And you know what? To some extent, I will agree with them. Who really cares about the stupidity of the people who died going down to the Titanic in this country? And who really does it impact anyone of the migrant boat in the Mediterranean. No, I agree with that to a point. I do. I mean, I do. Really, what point does it matter to focus on either one? He's trying, he's trying you've to got sound stupidity noble. and you've got stupidity desperation. It's equal. Dumbassery. Unfortunately, when you die or when I die, who's gonna? Gonna, nobody gives a shit nationally. Right. right. So who gives a shit if some rich bastards imploded at the bottom of the sea? Does it really matter that these migrants sank in the Mediterranean? In the grand scheme of it. Well, in the grand scheme of things... How you die should matter more than when you die. You know, like Barack Obama dies, fine. Who gives a rip shit? We got to look back at what you did when you were president. That's what matters. Where you fucked everybody on insurance. The the men and women who died on the plane on 9-11, 
they matter. They matter. Because they saved lives. The people in the military who fought for this country, who died to save lives, their deaths matter. matter. You're right. Rich people in a mini-sub spending hundreds of thousands of dollars to see the Titanic wreckage, they don't matter. No. And Barack Obama doesn't matter when he dies. It matters what you did and what you did before you died. But what you did when you died matters the most. If you rescued somebody, a firefighter going into a burning building or into a wildfire, and you kept it from spreading. When you die like that, that or death going matters. into the burning towers to try and save people. Right. Those deaths matter. Barack Obama dies, don't matter. The kids, you know, the, the, the guys in the, the mini-sub, don't matter. And unfortunately, the migrant, migrant people on that vessel in the Mediterranean, they don't matter. When you make a difference, when you die, protecting somebody else, that's the only time it matters. Yep. Why, why should one death outweigh somebody else's? Right. It shouldn't. All right, kids. Got All a heavy things that, being equal, there you go. Got a little heavy there at the end, sorry. But I think in the end, we're right. I think that if, you, if you're not saving a life when you die, if you're not doing something important when you die, then you're just dead. You're just dead. And what you did before is what has to matter. Not what you were doing when you die. Unless, again, you're saving somebody's life. He's a conquistador. He's a maestro. Have a great 4th of July. We will check you out taping the day after on July the 5th. Until then, boom goes the fireworks. We'll talk to you in a few days, kids. Bye-bye. Bum-ba-dee-da, bum-ba-dee-da, bum-ba-dee-da. Happy trails to you. Until we meet again. Happy trails to you. Keep smiling until then. Who cares about the clouds when we're together? Just sing a song and think about sunny weather. Happy trails to you until we meet. Ah! Uh...